0: What up, y'all? <laughs> Hello again. We're back. We're back. We are COVID free. We are. Did we even cover that we had COVID? Oh, yeah. Guys, <laughs> guys we had COVID.
1: <laughs> it's been a minute.
0: Yeah, we both and our other roommate all
1: had COVID together. So, some weird quarantine times there. There will be a post on the Instagram of all the weirdness that unfolded that we're, for some reason, <laughs> sharing with everybody. <laughs> Stay tuned. We're really kind of proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> we're so proud of it. We're like, oh my god. I feel like I have a badge of honor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Waking up and being like, what weird things are we going to
1: do today?
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, so... Hey, it's uh, Mm -hmm. the first week of April, and we usually record and release our pods um, for the full moon each month, but
1: in March, life just kind of got in the way. Yeah, it hit hard. March was a crazy month about surrender, Mm -hmm. and we really surrendered to all of the shit that happened but not shit in a bad way just like a lot of stuff was going on yeah like
0: what did we do we kind of talk about at the beginning of each month like what we see the month like what the theme we see being for the month is going to be
1: and it tailors the prophet for this (laughs) she comes up with it and i just go with it she's always (laughs) right
0: (laughs) Um. So yeah, at the beginning of March, we took a trip inland, eight hours to visit our, inland.
1: Friends, inland,
0: <laughs> to visit our friends in Nelson, and yeah. one of them, Shania, we actually
1: interviewed for this episode. Yeah, so that's what you're going to hear next, is yeah. our interview with her, and all that she has to say about the ooey gooey world of birth work, and being a doula, and... Just all of the ins and outs of that, so that's a really exciting thing. And we've never done an interview before, so this was our first version of that. We went, and then
0: we came back, and I feel like you started working a lot. Yeah. You were working a lot, and I just had, like, stuff that wasn't my, like, formal job going Mm. on, like, a lot of stuff for, like, threads and... Yeah, we both kind of had some like surrender to like love and romance mm-hmm. pick up, which was like
1: we nice. Both got smacked in the face with it. Yeah. And we also, I feel like it was a part of asking last month for abundance, and then fully receiving like abundance. Mm-hmm. At least, at least for me, I don't mm-hmm. know if you feel that exact same way, but
0: I feel like. In a way, we both asked for exactly what we've been dealing with.
1: Yeah.
0: And then because we had been in this, like, surrender mindset, we just kind of allowed it to exist without trying to fight mm-hmm. what was going on. And yeah, it was, like, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um looking back on when we actually did record this interview with Shania for this episode, like... You could just hear, at least for me in my voice, I was just, like, so, like, tired. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. Other news. We We bought bought a van! van!
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's ours! We bought one! We straight up bought a camper, a cargo van converted into a camper van and... The plan is to build her up and explore this beautiful province in the summer. And August, we're off. We're going to live in her. We're going to live in her.
0: We're going to spend the next couple months living in Van and working a lot. Van but is in
1: Vancouver. Yeah,
0: Van <laughs> is in Vancouver um, and working so a lot. Bad. And then... Kind of like puttering away at our van that's parked in our back lot throughout the spring. And then, yeah, in the heat of summer, we're going to take off.
1: We got married. Yeah, we got married. (laughs) We fully committed to one another through this financial investment. Mm -hmm.
0: Which is really cute. Maybe Julie's right. Maybe we will end up getting married. Yeah, maybe
1: we are soulmates.
0: (laughs) We totally are.
1: Probably. Platonic soulmate. It's a thing. Mm, yes. Um, anyway, lots has happened. Yeah. And it all feels rather exciting. And I'm really excited to share this interview.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great, great times interviewing. <laughs> yeah, great times. <laughs> times had in the past like month and a bit mm-hmm. um and now yeah we're like back in it april is about what did we say like buckling down or like doing the thing doing the thing yeah we're both just like okay we the grind we got the van we're like we both have like job career things picking up yeah. a lot right now and we're just like we're okay gonna be working yeah we're gonna be working yeah. we're gonna be doing our van um, but still having fun, you
1: know?
0: mm, yeah. Still having
2: fun.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we're really excited to share this
1: interview with Shania. And Happy Spring, Happy Aries, Happy April. Here it is.
0: Bada boom bada bing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> that was some Dwight energy. <laughs>
2: Emotion
1: welcome to the full bloom podcast where we talk about whatever the fuck we want and And you're you're invited invited. (laughs) so i'll I'll start i'll start us with with the cycle chats so well first oh like hello everyone
0: Welcome. Um, we're here with our beautiful friend Shania this evening. We have lots of questions for her just kind of like about her life and her experience and the work that she does. Um, yeah, this is like a bit of a different episode than our mm-hmm. last two because we have a guest and she's our, our first, first interview. guest. We're so honored that you're nice. our guest. <laughs> so exciting
2: yeah it's right right in time for world doula week so yeah that's fun word but yeah I guess we're we're here world doula week Emma you're gonna start us off with your flow
1: (laughs) yeah let's let's get into that okay yeah so um yeah let's start with our cycle chat so I am on day eight. I always have to refer to my app, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not my Flow app. I'm on day eight, and it's telling me mm-hmm. I'm ovulating in six days, which is sexy. Sexy. So that's some inner <laughs> spring, which I love. That it's spring now, and I'm in inner spring. And today was such a spring day. Like I was in the mm. sun, just like cleaning the van, being so like at one with the sunshine it felt so powerful it's really nice so nice, yeah I would say I have a lot of energy today because it was a day off I've been working a ton which has been pretty draining but I think yeah I just feel like energized and very like spring focused Mm. nice
0: Mm I can see that in you today it's really nice yeah (laughs) yeah I I think it's this like green crochet cardigan (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) yeah
1: Shan I got this like green crochet little cardigan thing from where Taylor volunteers the other day and I'm just it's my new spring moment
2: (laughs) so cute yeah I feel like that lime green color is always your color so
0: Hell yeah! You should have seen the look yeah. that she left the store with the other day, though. I was like working, and her and Rel came in, and <laughs> Emma bought this green crochet cardigan, an orange skirt, and a floppy orange hat. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah.
0: was, and she wore it all at once. It was so good. Yeah, it was
1: a big. That's heart.
2: awesome. That's some serious like post menstruation vibes when the energy comes back.
1: Oh yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. How
0: about, you, what about Taylor? you? I'm on day 25. Oh. So very opposite vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also like, yeah, the last little bit of like Pisces season was really intense for me. Like you said the other day, you like, I feel like, cause my moon is Pisces. Like all of my fire has kind of been out and I've been feeling really watery and like heavy and kind of like, yeah, I'm feeling kind of like mentally and emotionally drained, but not physically because I haven't really been working much, which has been some time off. Um, and just like deal with my, the other aspects of me that aren't like at work, Taylor. So yeah, feeling, like, really mostly emotionally drained, um, kind of heavy, really just down to bleed, just, like, want to release it all for the past couple days. I've just been feeling, like, you know, when you, like, you know that a big cry is coming, but it hasn't come yet. Oh, yeah.
2: it's Absolutely. Like,
0: yeah, I need to, like, bleed and cry, like, in the bath with like some shit burning and some lavender oil some and, rose just petals. Like, yeah, um. and just like really get in my feels. Um, so that's been me. Yeah. It's, I was expecting to feel like the fire of Aries, but I really just haven't yet. And I'm, that's just like where I'm at, but mm. yeah, very like wintry, impending release but not there yet heaviness <laughs> so, yeah
2: I
1: love it I'm like dark and moody right now <laughs> I love that when we started this podcast we were in sync like fully and now somehow I've like I've sped up or you've slowed down or something but I'm sure it'll
0: well I got my period in. really
1: early that one month
0: right because I m- mostly usually bleed with the full moon yeah and that one month that I sank up with you I was like halfway into the month had my period and I was like this feels weird mm.
2: <laughs> but yeah Do you both have a 28 day cycle
1: yeah more or less uh-huh
2: okay true because that obviously if yeah somebody's cycle isn't exactly 28 days then it can never be always synced up <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, what about yeah. chance? Yeah, where
2: are you at? I am at day 13. Oh. I have a 25-day cycle though. So I like literally oh. just stopped ovulating. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm like
2: super weird. I like just entered like the luteal phase. So I'm just like really tired and like, yeah, just coming off of all those ovulation hormones. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I would love to also kind of get back to hearing just sort of an introduction from you and the kind yeah. of work that you do and whatever, yeah, whatever you want to share in terms of yeah. who is Shania. Who's Shania?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I am a full spectrum doula. But I mean, the conception part is something that is newer to me as I mainly focused on birth and postpartum in the last year and a half while I started the journey. And I mean, it's nice to, you know, focus in on different things. I think I started more with just focusing on birth and then I moved into focusing really hard on postpartum. And now I'm focusing a lot on conception and I think like probably all of those things kind of ebb and flow with where I'm at in my own life as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And each thing that I get to focus in on and learn more about definitely makes me a better, well-rounded doula for sure. I mean, I didn't, I don't think I ever took time to consider Where how people got to those 30 weeks pregnant when I met them until I started looking so much at this conception side of things and why it is that I meet so many people that are 30 weeks pregnant and have already given up on themselves because of how much it takes to get there. Mm. Wow! I used to, it used to be a big question mark to me before I got into the conception side as to Why are so many people that are pregnant so unsure of themselves? Like, why is it that all of these people, not everyone, but so many people that seek my care or seek any doula's care are so, like, you know, maybe like not exhausted, but just like they're, they lack confidence. They lack birthing confidence that I can't necessarily wrap my head around. You know what I mean? And it's because the beginning of the journey so often, is so difficult and so, yeah, just like tumultuous and takes so much time that even after you do it and you get there, now you're kind of missing something because it wasn't easy. So you can't assume that the next part's going to be anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's something I I just didn't know. I just couldn't figure it out. I didn't know where was this like, why are these people burnt out? before it's even started when, you know, like this nice, beautiful thing is happening for them that they wanted. And it's because it probably didn't happen exactly when they wanted. It probably took a lot of time for most people, especially the people that I meet that are like usually around 35 ish. It probably took them a while to get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's you really know, I now. see them. Yeah. I see them at 30 weeks, but now I've started to think, what if this is 130 weeks for them? Yeah, that's something I never thought about before I started looking at conception for sure. So that's definitely interesting, you know, I mean, it's the same thing as like, I used to, I started with birth primarily and, you know, I was, I was always kind of like the birth would happen and the birth is intense. And then the postpartum comes and you go, and it's not really like a long time that you kind of go for a birth postpartum. And so I'd kind of just let it go. And then they'd be gone. And then once I started doing like really intense postpartum work from like day one at home with new parents, then all of a sudden it was like, you know, the realizations of the postpartum experience were all of a sudden so strong to me. Like I was like, holy shit, like this is crazy. You know, like there's got to be more space held for postpartum. Like the birth is barely even the part that's intense, (laughs) like, you know, you've got all this help for the birth, like the postpartum is where it gets really scary. And there's just nobody around, especially in, you know, the last year of pandemic. I mean, I think it's also probably important to note that I am a pandemic doula really, meaning I didn't practice much prior to the pandemic. Like I did only a little bit. I had just started, I think I had done 10 or 12 births before we got into the pandemic. So most of my time as a doula is during the pandemic as well.
1: Yeah, You've been like writing a bit more about like fertility and getting more into the fertility aspect of of birth and everything lately, right?
2: Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah, I have. So it's been really interesting (laughs) to start noticing all those things in my own body for sure.
0: Yeah, like what are some of the things that like since you've started writing for this blog, you've like really started to like kind of zone in on?
2: Um, I guess mainly about just like being able to um, acknowledge your fertile window and be able to pinpoint that window without other things just based on all of your body signs. Um, Yeah, being able to kind of it's called fertility awareness method. So I've just been really learning about that and then learning about my own body in that way and acknowledging all the little tiny shifts from like, just like, you know, cervical mucus to like, yeah, all the different little signs like breast tenderness and all those things that just in your basal body temperature, just all the things that kind of add up to show you exactly where you're at in your cycle.
1: Have you been taking your basal body temperature and like checking your mucus, like getting familiar with that on your, with yourself?
2: I haven't been doing my body temperature. Um, I have been checking my mucus and then I have like the flow app that you recommended to me. Mm. I have that app. So I've been doing stuff in there and logging stuff in there, but I haven't done the body temperature yet. Um, Yeah. I am. I'm waiting on that one. I'm about to, partner with one like fertility ovulation brand that does like the testing of your lh levels and your estrogen levels daily oh, to see cool. exactly how your cycle works so i'm about to start that like in a couple of weeks once i finish my next period
1: that's awesome that's so exciting
2: yeah it's kind of fun i mean yeah it's like a cool little product it's one of those fancy little high-tech things where yeah. You like, I guess you pee on the stick. So it's like kind of like that regular ovulation testing where you would pee on the stick or pee into a cup and then dip it. But then you have like this little computer machine that you like stick the stick into and it like reads all the data and like a literal, like scientific doctor way and like shows you like exact levels of your LH and your estrogen. Wow. So that's interesting. So yeah, we'll we'll get to see that show that off a little bit online.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. That'll be so helpful too to be able to kind of like like will you be kind of sharing this information like with clients and like doing more like fertility awareness, helping people guiding them through conception as well.
2: Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And then I'll just I mean yeah it's kind of a nice way to have like some actual tangible information. Because oftentimes like in fertility, it's kind of like, there's so many little signs, but then a lot of those little signs are also signs that we get like PMSing as well, as in just like the raising body temperature and like the mucus changing. So it's hard to say for sure what's going on with your body just because you're getting certain signs. So having like that actual information stored somewhere is really good because then also like, it's one of those things with fertility where like, you know we're we're always like taught in health class that like if you have unprotected sex you will get pregnant but really it's not that easy to get pregnant yeah. so it's like one of those things where you start to feel like quickly like something's wrong with your body so mm-hmm. having something that can like quickly measure that for you and give you tangible information as to whether or not something actually is wrong with your body or not wrong but if you are actually not producing levels are not ovulating properly, then you can easily take that and bring it to a doctor opposed to just waiting around and feeling stressed and feeling kind of like out of control as to what's going on with your body. Cause we're just not taught anything about this. Right. Oh, yes.
1: That's so awesome to be able to, yeah, give someone the tools to be like, here, like track this, keep track of this and then just show up, to your healthcare yeah. professional with like more of a sense of agency being like, I know what's going on. I know what I'm talking about. And then here's your role to help me navigate through this rather than just showing up to, to like a professional who doesn't know anything about you. And then you have to, yeah. there
2: yeah. That's like, well, the, yeah, it's a towering step, right? Well, yeah, it's tough too. Cause usually if you just go to a healthcare professional, then usually it's more of a well, first of all, if you haven't been trying for even a year and you have no yeah, data on this at all, that's easily accessible for them. Like, sadly, the doctor isn't going to really take you seriously. They're just going to say to you, you know, it's common to have to try for a year to conceive. Mm-hmm. So just keep trying. And then you might waste a year because, you know, there is something wrong or there is something slightly off that could have been fixed. And you're not finding that solution. And you're just getting stressed, you know, your mental health is then failing. You're not doing what you want to do. And then it was for nothing because there was something wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As opposed to just like surrendering to being like, Oh, it's just like not in the cards for me. And like feeling all this shame. It's like taking that power. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's so beautiful. And like how yeah. Because I guess like you're kind of in a journey of like trying to hone that in your own body. So like, how have you been feeling as you've been like kind of open to like conceiving and where are you at with that? I don't know if you want to speak on that. You totally yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, yeah, how I got into that because I was just interested basically as to what was going on in my body and I'm a bit of a control freak. So the idea of just being like oh well it'll just happen is not <laughs> not something that i'm down for so so it was more just yeah like i got into looking at those types of products because i wanted to know exactly what was going on and like you can get these like little ovulation kit things but then it's like you know they're just like they're cheap they're not necessarily telling you exactly what's happening you don't ovulate every month so then you don't really know like not everybody does so then you don't really know what Is exactly is going on? You know what I mean? And you're just wasting money on these kits that aren't really telling you much. Just all they're doing is giving you a happy face or a sad face every day, Mm -hmm. and you're like, "What the fuck? Like, I don't want a happy face or a sad face. I want to know exactly what is going on in my body." You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So it got definitely weird. Like, I know it's definitely like a weird process. I'm not like somebody who's like having like obviously I can't claim to be someone having issues with trying to conceive as I haven't been trying to conceive for very long. And I haven't necessarily, I mean, that's the thing is it's such a learning curve. Like I said, that we don't learn about in school at all, which is crappy because, you know, like no matter what, knowing these types of things about your body can help you make better informed decisions about how you allow people to come into contact with your body and so since we're not at all told anything about our ovulation really or about the process of conception other than just here's how to protect yourself from it we have a yeah just a preconceived notion of well when i have unprotected sex i will become pregnant you know what i mean Mm -hmm. whenever i decide that that's going to happen well that's when i'll become pregnant but the reality is, is that's very much not the case at all And so then when you start it, you're just like, oh yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll just stop having protected sex and I'll just get pregnant. And then that doesn't happen. And then you're like, what the hell's going on? So Mm -hmm. first you kind of go through like weird stages of like grief and like learning with it for sure. Like it was like, first I was really like confused and like surprised and freaked out that I wasn't like pregnant immediately. And was like, what's going on? What is going on with my body? And just went into like a full, like, panic mode essentially and then like i had to learn more and then once i started learning way more i was just like okay this isn't that simple and then it kind of and then i kind of got angry because then i was like why like what like yeah why didn't i know this you know what i mean like why are we not being told this like what the hell is the point of being on all this birth control and stuff if there's literally like you know, a five day period at most that you could become pregnant a month, maybe even if you're ovulate, that's if you ovulate every month, you know what I mean? And you don't need to ovulate to get a period every month. So it's like, there's so many things we don't even know about our bodies. And then, yeah, once you're face to face with this information, you're just kind of, you feel kind of like cheated all of a sudden. Oh, yes. So it was, it was definitely like a weird process. And then you kind of start feeling like, sorry for yourself. Cause then, Cause then you're like, well, now what, like, what do I do now? Like, now I want this, like, I don't want to do all this work. So then, yeah, you kind of go through all of these stages where then you kind of have to just like, get to a place of like, okay, like, what do I need to do to make this work and to, you know, get pregnant or do whatever I need to do to figure out if I can or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so it's, it's weird
1: <laughs> it seems to just always come back to body literacy and having that connection with understanding the processes and like you're saying it's a lot of things that we aren't taught like we're taught to be fearful of it as this thing that can happen really easily and we're taught about how to prevent pregnancy but you're right at no point are we really taught like exactly what's going on and the the days in which it's easy and I will always remember, I think I was at like a bar or like a club in the bathroom. And I had a friend that was all of a sudden, she was like, I'm freaked out that I'm pregnant or something like she had unprotected sex. And she was like, Oh my God, I I, I feel like I'm going to get pregnant. And I remember just like really loudly being like, it's not that easy. Like, it's really not that easy to just get pregnant. And a bunch of women were like, laughing at me they were like oh my god like I can't believe you would like say that like they kind of thought I was kidding Mm. and I was like I'm dead serious (laughs) like it's not if you're not keeping track of your cycle then you know you could have it could have been when you're ovulating and then, then that's when it happens but Yeah it seems like it's not really
0: widely known. I'm also thinking of like how many young girls that don't know what's going on and they're just like terrified of getting pregnant Mm. take the morning after pill like Mm. so often and that is so fucking traumatic for your body and Mm. you just like the second you see like oh the condom broke or like Oh, like yeah. some weird, like minorly sketchy thing happened. I need to go take the morning after pill because yeah. otherwise you're terrified that you're going to get like disowned by your family and like
2: yeah. have to
0: raise a child at 17. And like, yeah, it's really, really damaging how little this information is circulated amongst like women. yeah, young girls. Like, oh,
2: Yeah, exactly. It's rough because it's like there are ways that you can basically prevent that from yeah even being a situation that you would feel you were in if you just knew a little bit more about your body and tracking your own cycle like yeah it's not foolproof but you would definitely not be landing in the position of yeah taking the morning after pill or thinking you were pregnant or getting pregnant if you really knew your cycle well enough
1: exactly Mm-hmm.
2: Or you would also just know that you're probably not pregnant because the chances of that, you know what I mean? Like are so slim in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being in touch enough with your body to know if something was shifting. And I would like to think if I was pregnant, I would kind of have a bit of an inclining, like things would be potentially like shifting, but,
2: but. Then there
0: are also people that like.
2: Have no idea. Yeah. yeah. But those people are clearly not very much like my the mind-body connect there is clearly quite off, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um, that's what I'm that's To have
2: really no cool. clue, like that's quite, you know, I don't know. Like it's just I feel like in most cases, like people will say things like that, but it most definitely was like probably mostly denial. I mean, if you miss a period, then what you know what I mean, if you're a regular person, because also the thing is people who are not getting regular periods the chance of them getting pregnant is like so slim because it's like a lot is going on then with your body for you to not be having a regular period too in general. Right. Mm -hmm. So it would be like, you know, the people who are usually getting pregnant out of nowhere are people who have very regular periods, you know, regular levels. So it's like, if you missed a period, then like that, you know, if you've never missed a period and you're a 28 day person, if you miss a period, then what do you think is really, going on there right mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's, you, got, you gotta wonder sometimes like it
1: makes me think of that show I didn't know I was pregnant <laughs> yeah but <laughs> I was thinking of literally <laughs> and I just feel like there's so many time, like time and time again so many examples in media pop culture of of exactly that like it being this it being so normal to be so disconnected from your body in this way and then all of a sudden like Boom! You're pregnant, and you had no idea. Or in movies, like it, it being this like I don't
2: know. It's just like
1: it's always portrayed yeah. in this way that it's, it's well,
2: it's betrayed not- in this like very odd, like magical, mystical way. Yeah, <laughs> like like it's like as if we don't know how that happens, or like you know, like as if we don't have the information to be able to know how that happened or when it happened. Totally which is just odd yeah Mm. (laughs) it's just odd yeah it's just odd because the only way we know how to prevent all these things is because we know exactly how it happens yeah like so yeah it's kind of funny how that works but Mm. but yeah I, I think I did a lot of birth and I wasn't, I remember the first time I went to a postpartum, I went to a postpartum with Emma to like check it out and to like get her mentorship. And I I know that I was only like, I don't know, I think I was only like maybe like three or four births in at this point. Um, and I saw her with the babies. It was the twins. So she invited me to a twin postpartum. And I saw her with the babies and I saw the way she was acting. And I remember, I I think I said to her and I thought to myself, like, no, I don't think I'm going to do postpartum. Like, I don't think I, I don't think I care for like other people's babies like this kind of like, I just saw her interaction with the babies. And I felt like, no, I think I'm here for the birthing person. Mm. And so I don't think that this is for me. And I kind of shied away from it for a minute and i just went back to birth and then at some point though i mean during the pandemic obviously the need for postpartum care rose so much that i just kind of got pushed into taking on the postpartum clients because we needed care for them yeah. and so i was like yeah okay i'll do it you know and i remember like once once i was there and it was like my client and yeah someone that i i just started with from the beginning of their postpartum journey it was like an immediate, like, oh my gosh, like, no, like, this is, this is so important. Like, this is, like I said, like more important almost to me, like to hold people during their postpartum time, like after the birth, you know, like after the trauma of all that, it's like most of the time, like a lot of people don't even barely remember me at the birth. Like, (laughs) they're just like, they're like, I know you were there. I know you helped, but like, I was gone. Like I was in my own world essentially, which is great. But like, Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Whereas like the postpartum time is like time that people truly don't ever forget, you know, like I still get monthly updates from a bunch of clients and like people that I talk to all the time because, you know, it was a pandemic and I was literally the only person holding any space for them or helping them essentially.
1: Yeah. And it, it seems like postpartum is typically when people really get like dropped on the curb. Like, Yeah. Pregnant people get a lot of beautiful, well-deserved attention, you know, during pregnancy, Mm -hmm. building up to this birth, building up to this great event. And then it seems to just sort of like trickle off and people might feel the most alone in the, and how precious those first few, even just hours or days are.
2: Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I, I, what I started noticing the most actually is that I'm I'm noticing that the beginning is much like the end. It's the same with the conception part of the journey Mm. where nobody pays any mind to you and nobody cares for what you're going through, essentially. And you start to feel really alone when what you're trying to do is multiply, which is so crazy and wild. But you start to feel like so alone in your own body and like so alone in your own process. Mm. And so it's super weird because, yeah, you start feeling that way where you're just like, I'm alone in this. I have to just do this and make this happen. And nobody cares until I have a good announcement to give them, essentially, you know. And everyone's just like, hurry up, have a baby. And then you get pregnant and everyone's like, Ah, yeah, let me help. And then you have the baby and everyone's like, great, you had a baby and backs off again. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And you're left like in the dust as it settles.
2: Yeah. Yeah, basically yeah, it's interesting.
1: So how do you stay balanced through all of it? Like what, what do you find is a, a way to be able to keep your energy going when you are kind of going through all these different moments with people in that, in that supportive way? What have you found?
2: I mean, I definitely think that there wasn't always times where I had balance. Like I I definitely try to always stay quite active, but that's something that just brings me inner peace. So, you know, like everybody's going to find their own thing, but I mean, being able, like being healthy and feeling strong and capable and energized for your clients definitely helps you feel like you're ready at any moment Mm
1: -hmm. to help
2: people, obviously, or at least for me. And also like having an hour or two hours you know, once every day or every other day that I'm focusing solely on my body and my mind body connection is really essential to being able to focus on others for 30 hours or so at a time. Right. Um, um, but then also, I mean, there are times where I know that I've lost that, like in the pandemic when we couldn't, when I couldn't go to hot yoga or I couldn't go to spin or I couldn't go anywhere to those places that I normally go to retreat, I definitely just got into the rhythm of just like, I'm on the back burner. These people need me go, go, go. And I think like a lot of my identity got like really kind of lost into just being burnt out for a year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really recognize that either. I just thought like, I'm doing a good thing. If you're doing a good thing, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it's good then. Mm -hmm, right? And so it was definitely weird because I didn't even notice that until I moved here. Like once I moved out of the city and started this program, I I felt really empty all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like, like I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I felt very like suddenly like skeptical of what I was doing or like what my intentions were for doing it, or when I lost those intentions, or like, you know, my goals, like, I don't know, some, suddenly I doubted all aspects of what I was doing because it paused.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
2: Which was really odd and unnecessary, really. But because I was not taking care, I just, yeah, I just suddenly felt like I just didn't, couldn't recognize what I was doing all of a sudden, just because I wasn't actually doing it physically all of a sudden
1: yeah
0: and what has like the move from the city like what prompted your decision to want to make that change in your life like move from Vancouver to like a smaller place
2: so I mean yeah the the population of Nelson is like Mm 12,000 and I mean like when I think about it I've always been kind of scaling down throughout the years like I started with like going to university in Toronto which is you know the biggest city in Canada and then I moved after about five or six years to Montreal so I downsized a little bit and then I stayed there for about a year and just Calm down and figure out what I wanted to do, essentially. And that's how I got into doula work. And when I figured that out, I moved over to Vancouver, which is even smaller. And so I've kind of just been always like scaling back a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm. As crazy as it sounds, everybody needs people to help them birth. But in a lot of ways, my job or my work is kind of like a gatekeeper to the systems that cities operate on to keep them looking like they're okay Mm. when they're not. And so I didn't like that. I didn't like the idea that I gave people this false concept that being a part of a city and the way a city runs these days, especially in North America, was okay because it's not. Right. And so for me, it was just like, I have to get out of here. Mm
1: -hmm. Like there's almost a false sense of community in cities that is not authentic necessarily at all. Literally.
2: Literally yeah, literally, it's not authentic at all. And just like the doula thing is like one of those things too, where like, it's not for everybody, like, obviously, not everyone's like this. But in a lot of circumstances, people do treat us as just like this thing that they do, because people do it, and it makes them granola, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they just want to be able to say, oh, my doula did this, or oh, this is my doula. And they don't actually care for what it means to have somebody hold space for you at your birth. And they don't care about that connection they're forming. It's very much a transaction. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I, I went for coffee today with Alana. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing that she mentioned, which I actually thought was so interesting was when you do meet with a client, ask them, why do you want a doula? Like, what are you, what support are you hoping for? And it and she's just like said that it's always so interesting to hear what people say because either they have a very specific idea of care that they're looking for or support, or they have they don't really know.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm
1: -hmm. What has been pretty crazy? Like, have you found that you've had to kind of like walk people through what it even is that you do, even after you're part of their team?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times. That's the thing. And that's why we start saying about like how like this like cap- like capitalist like white supremacy kind of like thing kind of like pushes in on doula work and how that's dangerous is because people just tell people you need this. You need it for sure. Go get that's- it. Mm-hmm. And then people do because they have money to or they create money to and anything that's expensive that someone says you need it, someone will just go get Ooh. it's more of a status than anything right? exactly and it's just a thing like lots of things right we'll see one thing for whatever price and we'll go oh well that one's more so it's probably better you know what i mean absolutely it it feels like a bit of a
1: catch-22 and the way that you know i also came out to bc to pursue birth work in a place that it's more established however like being in this big city and like vancouver it's it's <laughs> there's still like a, a strong disconnect because of the amount of wealth that there is here. And that those are the people that are mostly getting that access is like the white wealthy families that don't necessarily know what they're receiving or don't hold value to that support in the same way.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of times like people, because they have the money and they just see it as a transaction, they'll just, barely utilize you no matter how much you are trying to be a doula for them. And then they will just immediately just like cut connection off right after. And it's probably not necessarily because they're like a bad person. It's just because they're so wrapped up in this city mentality that they're like, your job is done. I don't want to keep you. You know what I mean? Like in their head, they're, they're wrapping it probably in a way of like, it's not fair for me to reach out to this person anymore. It's not you know, they've done their job, which was attend my birth. So that's it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, The
0: humility is like kind of a race. Yeah.
2: And even if you try your hardest to express that, that's not where you're coming from, or, you know, you keep reaching out, you keep trying. You just really, oftentimes you hit a wall with people like that. And it sucks because then it can also taint and change the way you work as a doula, because then you're, you get, you start to get used to that mentality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of let go of the idea of even being able to foster healthy community with these birth people that you help because you start to basically like feel kind of like it's a little bit of like a traumatic reaction because you are let in on this extreme event and then people just cut you out. You know what I mean? And so you have to start being able to grapple with that and deal with that. And then your response is to just cut out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's really like a push-pull, like it's really just a cyclical, like it just cycles, right? Like it just goes back and forth then where then doulas are doing that to other people, regardless of if that other person is acting that way because they're so used to being treated that way.
1: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: There's definitely a balance, right? Between the nature of this work being work that people are doing now for money. And in like a, like you're saying, a transactional business framework, but then also, you know, doing work that potentially like your ancestors were doing. And that is more of like a a calling or a spiritual community support work that feels more natural to some people. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. what is the balance between, asking for the money that you deserve for the work that you're doing but also feeling like that you're called to do it i think that there's probably so
2: much yeah and i think also it's like where is the balance of like how much i guess how much money are you making and how much do you believe that your job is done just by working with the clients you work with right Cause there's also that, like, it's like, it's not, it's not that type of work. Like it's not where you just go to what you've booked. And then that's your contribution to the birth world. That can't be it. That's not it. You don't deserve any money for that. That's not helping in a good world. There are no doulas, right? That's if any proper doula will tell you that I wish my job didn't exist. Yeah. Cause it shouldn't. So it's like one of those things where it's like, if you just think that you get to charge this much because you've attended this many births, well, that doesn't mean shit anyways. Yeah. Right. Like you don't get to raise your price because you've attended so-and-so many births. Like it's not, so have all the nurses in the hospital, 5 million times more than you, (laughs) their price doesn't go up every time. Their wage doesn't change every month. Right. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where it's like you can't value it all based on the amount of births attended or amount of clients helped or whatever, because it's like there's so many different little facets to being a part of the birth world. And if you're only attending births and going to postpartum um, schedules, that is literally like 5% of the job of being a birth worker. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: No, it's not linear that way.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, that's a big thing that people are really trying to get people to understand right now in the birth world, because it's boomed so quickly. And it's not moving in the right direction. Or it wasn't for the last 20 years, it's moving towards this. Yeah, weird capitalist, this is a job this, you know, x equals y, whatever. And it's just like this, you know, x plus y equals z when it's like, no, that's not, that's not true at all. This isn't like a linear facet here. It's, it's way more than that. It's way bigger than any of us are all of that shit like that. So it's hard to kind of like get it back and have people understand like, why are you doing this? And yeah, that's why it goes both ways. Why are you doing this? Well then determine why does somebody want you at their birth? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How can they know why they want you there if you don't even know why you're doing this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Emotion.
1: Yeah, and, and again, kind of along the same lines is the amount of different places offering like trainings and certifications and how you can now like even be certified in something that was never Mm -hmm. to be certified in the first place and people asking for some sort of a certificate to show that you've done what exactly
2: there's right
1: there's so much blurred what is
2: there i know i know and it's ridiculous because it's like you could have that certificate and have three percent of the experience i've had without one
1: absolutely Mm -hmm
2: or training or whatnot, right? Like, it's just so, it's so silly because it's like the certification and the process for being certified. All that means is you're just a privileged, probably able-bodied person. Yeah. You know, like non-disabled person with no, like educational disabilities, no impediments in any way that make you not necessarily be able to necessarily certify or whatever, have the means to certify or have the means to do these thousand dollar trainings. Like all of those things are just all these positions of privilege, you know, that turn into like this little hierarchy of privilege.
0: Yeah. You just like follow the system that looks pretty on paper.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, even for certification, it's like what, What do you have to do most of the time? It's like attend like three births, go to like 12 hours of postpartum. What the hell is going on in 12 hours of postpartum? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's definitely weird. It's definitely an interesting it's an interesting time to be a part of the birth world as it shifts again, from just being something that's radical for existing to being something that you need to be radical in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting shift for sure. Cause I think, yeah, the last 20 ish years have just been, it's radical. If you do birth work, regardless of how you're doing it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now there, it seems like there has been a space opened up where like, exactly like you're saying, like you can somehow do birth work but still be such a part of I want to say like the problem
2: yeah Um, basically like you can just be a part of the like medical industrial complex yeah you can be really
1: there's like space now somehow for people to be really blindly following this like white supremacist version of what has been laid out to be called birth work
2: Mm -hmm. And the scariest part about that is that those people though, are like in this, because they're in the sphere, they have this sense of like, I don't know, like almost like superhero complex. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. There's some big games on there. It's hard to talk them down off of that because we've pushed it up to that level of you're a superhero. If you do this type of work, like you're amazing, no matter how you do it, which is so not true yeah
1: yeah and just like seeing your your presence like your online presence and also obviously your in-person presence you seem to have a consistent amount of energy to be having those conversations and like not letting any of that um be taken lightly and it's like such a beautiful like force to witness Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you go through yeah I mean all of it yeah
2: Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. But I know that like I used to feel good when people would say like, "Wow, you're a doula. That's amazing. Like, that's so great. Like, I could never do that or something. I just feel like, oh, thanks. And just like brush it off. And now when people say things like that to me, I look at them and I say, why? Yeah, right. Why? Ask yourself why? Ask yourself why you think it's so amazing that I would do something that, you know, we all should be doing and then why you would never do it for someone ask yourself those things where are you in your life in your world that you that you feel that way that you feel like this is just a microcosm of something for only some people to do Mm -hmm. right like what's made you think that because in my mind I think how could I not right how could I not show up
1: yeah exactly and again, if everyone did show up in that way, it wouldn't have to exist in the way that it does. Like it is Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: yeah. And in a lot of cultures, it, it doesn't for that reason. Because yeah. everybody shows up. Yeah. This it's, is not like a world issue. This is not like every single place in the world is acting the way we do about yeah. birth and Local. in North America or in first world countries. This is just a first world issue. <laughs> It's definitely interesting. I have clients even now that are like, I'm not from here. And I'm so, I'm so scared. And I'm so traumatized being here without my family, because this isn't how I've seen birth. Yeah, Like this isn't the way we do birth. Like we show up like this is, I feel so alone because this isn't the way you do birth here. mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that. I didn't even know when I came to this country that this is how I was going to feel when I decided to give birth. I've been waiting to give birth my whole life and now I'm scared shitless because I've got nobody on my team.
0: Yeah. Even just like the little, like, I find it so fascinating. People don't even know what doula work is. Like a lot of people are like, wait, what is a doula? You know, like a lot of women that have had children are like, what is a doula, you know, like this access to this information and the, like the, the ability for people to feel okay, reaching out and asking for help in the form of birth work is even just like relatively, I like, I don't want to say taboo, but like just so far out of the norm of North American culture, like, I'm even just thinking about my cousin that just gave birth. She like chose to have a midwife, and apparently, a lot of people that she talked to about it were like, Why? Like, why would you want a midwife? Are you a midwife? A midwife? Are you doing like a natural home birth? And like, kind of like turned up their noses, and they were like, Ooh, what? Like, are you? Like,
1: you're better than
0: everybody yeah, else. Yeah, it was so weird. The and she was like, why wouldn't I have this extra support? Like, you yeah. know, it was, yeah. It's so twisted. It's really wild how, like, it should be something that's so natural and ingrained in our community. But people in North America have just been so, it's been so deeply ingrained in us to not ask for help that something that should never. Re- be a one person job is like almost shamed if you recognize that you need that support.
2: Yeah, I know. It's it's just so it's so odd. I mean, even yeah, when we go to look at the fact that most people don't know they can just get midwives, right? And that it's the exact same as getting an obstetric doctor. I mean, that's shifting a lot, but it is pretty crazy that there is still a big number of people that are unaware that your midwife is just covered through the government the same way like yeah. that there is no extra expenses or anything like that to just get way more like one-on-one care. And on that topic,
0: yeah. how like accessibility to extended care or like having a doula is like so wrapped up in privilege because they it's not covered. I would love to hear you speak on the program that you're working on right now about just like trying to make it more accessible for folks that don't have the resources to hire the doulas that are part of the capitalist system and
2: yeah it's tough it's tough cuz it's it's one of those things where i mean i value the fact that my job isn't recognized by the government in the sense that it means that i do wholeheartedly work for my client with all of their ideals and wishes and rules being my mandate for that work at that time. And so that is really precious, of course, because everybody else on their team is working for the government and does have to report everything back to higher people. So as much as they have your best interest at heart, that's not necessarily true because they have a lot of other things that need to work out a certain way as well, right? Just for their job to continue, for them to, yeah, practice their license still, like to obtain their license, certain things have to be followed in their jobs, right? Yeah,
0: there's an agenda.
2: Whereas there, exactly, there's an agenda. Whereas in my job, there is no licensing. There is no one to say, you can't do this anymore. (laughs) And so I don't have to follow any agenda other than the agenda set out to me by my client. And so that is really special because, we're the only person allowed in the room without any agenda whatsoever. But at the same time, because we're not recognized at all, there is no funding for anybody. (laughs) And so it is like a double-edged sword because yeah, trying to obtain funding so that this is available to everybody is really tough because the job isn't recognized. And so then it turns into this weird like, fight generally between like people being like, this should be funded by the government. And then the government being like, well, we don't recognize this. So we don't fund this. And so then it's just like, okay, well, there's still no money now for anybody. (laughs) Whether it should or shouldn't be or what the case might be, there's no money. And if we just not give in, but if we do fight to have this legitimized by the government, what does that mean for our practice? Does that mean someone can take away our license then and we can't do the job anymore? Does it mean then we're going to have an agenda and then we can't come for you just for you anymore? Because we do have an agenda, or we're going to get kicked out of hospitals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what happened to midwives too. Like in uh, in a lot of ways, midwifery has turned into like you know what a lot of people would refer to as med midwifery, which is the fact that it's become so medicalized because it's licensed now by the government that it, it's it's barely holistic anymore for the most part. Right. It's like very, you know, midwives are scared. They're scared for their jobs. The government is always pushing back against them if they try to be slightly radical. So a lot of midwives have stopped trying. They don't. They just basically act like doctors at your birth. They just can't cut you open.
1: You you have the risk of losing your license and then you can't practice, which would just be
2: devastating. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago or I guess 30 years ago, when lay midwifery was still the main form of midwifery, that didn't matter. There was no, you had, I mean, you only had midwives at home births in that case, but they weren't practicing under anybody. So a good midwife was just following your lead. And then if they believed it was out of their hands, they would just, you know, you they'd tell you that you should go to the hospital now yeah. and let the hospital take over the situation, but it wasn't, they weren't yeah mandated by anybody. Right. So they didn't have that agenda, that weird hidden agenda of I might not be able to do this anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's hard because, yeah, when it comes to funding, I mean, it's hard to get funding for this stuff. But I mean, basically what what we did was I worked for the South Community Program in Vancouver, which is an awesome birth program that allows all of their clients of the clinic to receive doula care should they want it it's also based on language needs because the program was started for immigrant people who came here like 20-ish years ago and obviously then there was even less english-speaking people that were coming over and so they needed somebody to translate essentially for them is how the program actually started and so they kind of that's how they modeled it because at the time obviously doulas were just like what the heck is a doula And so they basically, they got a grant and the way they proposed it was, we're going to have a translator come with the woman to the hospital so that you don't have to worry as much about her not being able to communicate with the hospital staff. (laughs) But they were actually doulas, of course, but so it was all different doulas speaking different languages. And so that's how it ended up getting piloted. And when they got that grant in the first year, the hospital noticed how less how much less time the the birthing people were spending in the hospital and just how much like smoother the the situation was and how much less they had to use different you know medical interventions and whatnot. And so they said, you know, you guys are saving us money. We'll give you that money that we're saving so that you can continue this because it's making our jobs easier and it's saving us money. So we'll give you money every year to continue the program. Wow. Basically obviously now Not everybody, but most people do speak English and it's become more of a community program. And now it's kind of all different people of all different ethnicities, as well as ranges of money. So it's just donation based. And they just kind of let you know, you know, if you have more money, you should be donating, you know, six to $800 at least for the care, because it goes back to being able to keep the program afloat. And so, yeah, I joined that program right when I became a doula. I was a part of that program the whole time I was in Vancouver and it was probably my favorite part. And that's where I met <laughs> most of my favorite clients, actually, that I still talk to and interact with through that program. And it was also a really good way to continue doing like nonprofit, like charitable work. Cause I was only getting paid like $250 for most of the births that I attended. Yeah, And so it kind of balanced out. And I felt good about that, that I could give back to the community while I was also charging people you know a thousand dollars almost for a birth Mm
1: -hmm. yeah being able to have that balance of like getting the money that you deserve in this world that we live in but then also being able to give back to the
2: people that need it
0: exactly like the redistribution yeah
2: yeah exactly and that's another part of just yeah how do you keep the balance right it's i mean it's all everything you do is a part of how you keep the balance internally so (laughs) That's one way that I keep the balance is by doing that work as well. Mm -hmm. And so when I was leaving Vancouver, that was basically the only thing I was really actually sad to leave behind was going to be this birth program. And so I asked my program coordinator over there, you know, like, why don't we have these programs, more places? And she was just like, because there's no money. And I was like, okay, true. (laughs) And I was like, do you think it's possible to get the money? And she was like, it's tough. Like, not really. Like, we just run this program because we have this really fancy hospital that gives us all the money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I was like, damn, okay. Like I really like to be a part of a program like this though, like a place like Nelson really needs this type of program. And it's so community oriented, like, and she was like, Oh, well, you know, we did train a clinic how to do the actual clinic program where there's midwives and doctors and physicians and nurse practitioners all on one team together. Right. And she was like, yeah, but they didn't have money for the doula program when we went out there like 10 years ago. So they didn't start one. And so I literally just reached out to the managing midwife, (laughs) the head midwife at Apple Tree Clinic and just said, hey, would you like to start a doula program? Do you have any money to start a doula program? Can I help you source money if not? And she said, yeah, yeah, we would like to start the program. I've actually been putting money away for this program (laughs) for like 10 years wow so yeah it was one of those things where yeah I just asked <laughs> uh-huh.
1: that's amazing yeah, say, yeah. It's so simple to just you know. reach out and ask and they someone's like well
2: and what do you think is going to happen if you just ask
1: oh my
0: god I'm literally going to tattoo that on my like ass or something <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> yeah and it involves a lot of that's, different uh, places just, in your life like, literally uh, like whether it's consent or this or that but yeah, People just for some reason can't just ask. <laughs>
0: know, it's so scary for some reason. The intimidation factor, the rejection factor is so real and it shows up in so many
2: areas of mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah. But yeah, it is funny though, because once you do just start asking genuinely, you'll notice that it is quite rare that you get a no.
0: Oh, that is some Aries energy. I love that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I need that. Yeah. I yes. really need this right now. Just ask.
0: Just ask. It's so easy. I'm writing it on my mirror.
2: Literally. <laughs> I mean, even the person, even the person that I talked to, to be honest, like at, at uh when I was talking about doing the program, she was not very excited about. Like she was clearly like, she wasn't like, yeah, go do that. Like, try to do that. She was very like, I don't know. I don't think that's gonna happen. Like, I don't really think there's any opportunity for that. Like, it's just too hard. Like, you know, she's had a long career. She's done so much. She's at the end of her career. So I get that mentality of just like yeah. there's no more that can be done.
0: She needed right? that young, fiery energy to be like, No, we're gonna get this done. We're yeah. gonna get it happen. Yeah.
2: And I just couldn't, I couldn't take that though. Like, I was like, money is if money's the problem money is never the problem. It's made up for God's sake. Find it. Yeah. It comes (laughs) in. Money really does. If it's money that you're telling me is the only issue here, then we have no issue.
0: (laughs) Right. And this is so much easier said than done, but like if we can learn to separate fear from finances and like, separating fear from money and look at money from a place of <laughs> broken record. Abundance. abundance. <laughs> As I, oh, I was just about to say, I was like, I think, I
2: think you're talking about abundance. I was like, that's definitely the abundance mindset you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is definitely, it's tough because we live in this weird capitalist society and I notice it even in myself sometimes. And I try not to because I do live in an abundant mindset, but every now and then it does creep in where I start to have this. Little bit of scarcity mindset where I'm like, oh no, what's going to happen in a few months? And I'm like, why are you even thinking about what's going to happen in a few months? Like, where are you right now with money? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> also, <it> go. like,
0: <laughs> if you've been able to figure it out up until this point, like, why do we doubt ourselves so hard? Exactly. Oh, we're not going to be able to figure it out in that five months. Like, we're going to be yeah, the, right. Like, yeah.
2: Like, if like we, what would if change? In- this
0: far. Like, we can figure it out. You just have to like have that trust and faith in yourself.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, Cause it's when you stop trusting that process that you run out of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like the way that money just kind of comes and goes and ebbs and flows and there'll be time where you're, where you will have less and there'll be time where you will have more, but people are so terrified of those lows, just like any other lows that it's like, no, oh, I have to like live myself and or live my life and keep myself in this sheltered way so that I never get to a low, but then you're never experiencing the highs either. It's like this Mm -hmm. stagnant that people feel is like safe, but then there's no growth there.
2: Absolutely, There's no
0: room for like taking those risks and like doing the thing and like saying yes and like just asking because you're like, oh my god, what is the worst possible situation? Oh, probably that I run out of money. Okay, then I better not even try.
2: Yeah, it's true, and it's also obviously just based on realistically evaluating what do you need, what do you actually you need, actually right? need, yeah. and what I'm do you need. <laughs> You also have to be able to acknowledge when are you, even if you're doing all this yourself and you're running your own independent business and you're succeeding and everything's going well, when are you taking too much, right? When -hmm. are you burning yourself out to have the most to operate at the maximum capacity when you don't need to? When you could do okay with the $500 less a month and having more self-care time so that you could recuperate and be better for the people you do care to. Because that's also a big thing that ends up happening a lot too in the doula world and in lots of just you know self-led businesses and independent businesses where people burn themselves out because they want to reach their maximum potential opposed to just <laughs> their good place of potential Yeah, and work. And then they're doing too much and they think they're not because like I said, you think you're helping so many people, but are you showing up at 95% for all those people? Are you helping... So many people you're showing up at 70%, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like knowing your limits, but also exploring your abilities at the same time is like mm-hmm. a you're too washy, like mm-hmm. give and take, like tug of war kind of thing with yourself. That's like,
2: tough when you work for yourself because when you work for someone else, they set the limits for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really actually having to make your own limits and listen to your own body and acknowledge your own limits, like truly. I love um
1: that we got to just ask. And I feel <laughs> like that is the most powerful way to like also kind of wrap this conversation on mm-hmm. if anything else you want to bring up, but I just want just to go ask. back to how much I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> just ask. Like that is the message. Yeah. From this. yeah. That can <laughs> that
0: can apply to yourself yeah. or to like the world just ask, just like have those conversations with yourself with.
2: Yeah. And definitely with yourself, especially as we're in this uh, really fun Aries time, because, you know, we, <laughs> us Aries like to react before we ask. So yeah. It's definitely important to ask yourself a lot before you do anything, mm. just ask and ask other people too, before you react to them or push your own assumptions onto them or, you know, react based off of something someone's doing, ask, you know, ask the questions. <laughs> asking for help
0: too. Like recognize yeah oh, yeah, need help and like allowing that to be part of your abundance mindset.
2: Mm-hmm. Like by
0: asking for help, I am actually stronger because I'm able to recognize my limits and honor them mm-hmm. as opposed to like pushing myself to the point of burnout or exhaustion. Just ask,
1: just ask.
2: Yeah, (laughs) just ask.
1: Amazing.
2: Oh God, I'm in that phase of like my cycle where I'm just like sweating like a lot, like profusely. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) sweating through everything.
1: Different places. Yeah, yeah, we're all really at different points. Kind of cool. (laughs)
2: Like I tried to wear a t-shirt today, and that was just stupid. Like it's just.
1: (laughs) But I also like covered. love about you is you can start like you know at first you were you cut you were like oh yeah I'm like I'm a little tired I'm a little drained but then as soon as you get into talking about whatever you're passionate about it's like no you are not tired (laughs) like you're all in it and I just love it I think we just recorded a beautiful episode yeah You too (laughs) love it thank (laughs) you so much for giving us a beautiful hour and a half of your time
0: yeah also plug yourself like where can people like read your blog or read your writing or like find you like
2: I mean I guess you can you can find me really only on instagram at allow doula but people always think it's something else but it's a l o u d o u l a but yeah so you can find me there or I also write for the Joni blog. So you can find that online. I think Get we'll, we'll, or dot com, good. but okay. we'll plug it. Yeah, I'm like you guys can plug it. I'm like if you go to my Instagram, it's always in my bio. So I guess yeah, you can find writing there, but most of my weird daily nonsense is on my
0: Instagram. So sweet. <laughs> and one more question, what are you reading right now?
2: Oh, actually, I am reading Spiritual Midwifery right now.
0: Hey. hey you too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm reading Spiritual Midwifery right now. Um, if there was a book that I would say everybody who wants to be a part of the birth world, which we all really are, so everybody should read, it would be Birthing Justice. Yeah, that one, but Black Women, Pregnancy and Childbirth. Is like a must read. It's just insane and it's so beautiful. That one's edited by Julia O'Para and Alicia Bonaparte. And it is so good. It is insane. But yeah, that would be my number one birth book to date. And also, if you're trying to find if you're interested in doulas and you want a good idea of what doulas really should be doing and kind of a mini childbirth education series all in one then you should definitely check out Why Did No One Tell Me This? The Doula's Honest Guide for Expectant Parents. That one is amazing and hilarious and has the best visuals. And it's just so aesthetically pleasing and perfect. And yeah. it's written by two doulas.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah.
2: Of course. So anytime. Wonderful.
1: We love you so much. Thank you so yeah. much for
2: sharing. Yes. Love to you both. I'm going to go to bed now.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> Get that rest. Bye. Bye.
1: So for this episode's tarot poll, um, we were pretty zonked after our interview with Shania. So. what we ended up doing was pulling the next morning. So I'm going to read what that poll was because it was very telling of just like some themes that were mentioned in the interview. And yeah, let's get into it. We pulled the Emperor and the Ace of Pentacles. The emperor is the card of social order and rules. It indicates mastery and authority in one's life because despite its stern, cold reputation, the emperor allows us to use rules and the ability to say no, to stand in our power as the authority in our lives. It asks us to exercise discernment, confidence, and the ability to take stock. Without that ability to create order, we'd flail. Use it now. And of course, the sign is Aries. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just generally pointing at the ability to say no and how that can be also a way of opening doors um, and you know of course there's power in being able to be open and saying yes to so many things but knowing your limits knowing your boundaries like kind of like what we were, what Shania was talking about with like her own boundaries and balance of of this kind of work is being able to say no to one thing so that something else can come along shortly thereafter that might be better suited for you. And just knowing that that's you pulled this the case for
0: your whole thing. Too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. So I actually had like an opportunity come up that seemed really big. Um, it was for a doula mentorship and it seemed like really huge and it would have been like an amazing opportunity, but there was just something in my gut that was like, this is not for you right now. Like there's something about this that's just, it's not the right time. It's not the right person. It's not the right headspace. Like you don't have to say yes to this out of fear of having no other opportunities or out of scarcity. Like it was almost like saying yes was not part of the abundance mindset or saying no was like no, because it's not the right time. And I intuitively know that. And I know that I will be offered something that will be more fitting to me in the future. And so I said no, which felt really scary, but surely enough, I was then presented with another amazing opportunity, like a week later. So (laughs) like
0: we good (laughs) because in saying no, it to things that don't feel good, like you said, then you make more room and space and you welcome things that yeah. are meant for you to come in and like. Yeah. I feel like so often we, like, wrestle with feelings that are just like, oh, it just doesn't feel right, but we don't really have a reason. And because we don't really have a reason, we can't, like, write our pros and cons out because it's yeah. literally just an intuitive feeling. Then we, like, gaslight ourselves and we're like, mm. oh, no, like, I'm just being crazy and overthinking it. Like, I'm just going to take this. But no, yeah, mm. the, the emperor came... To remind us that that is power. That is the Aries
1: power Mm -hmm. of, like, claiming
0: what you want, just fucking ask. Yes. And say no. Know your limits, explore your abilities.
1: Make yourself heard, and you'll be surprised how willing to compromise people are, which is literally just ask. Beautiful. We love that. Love feeling scene. Okay. And then the other card 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 wow that really jumped out that was some canadian moment okay the ace of pentacles where is she here we go okay you have the potential to grow something great right now think of this card as a key that unlocks abundance ask yourself what seed am i willing to sow today that'll help me create the comfortable stable life i want the energy of potential material gains surrounds you right now It won't always be easy. Hard work never is, but the payoff will be worth it. Mm -hmm. What's the (laughs) self-care? Super down for this card. Uh, Write a list of all that you want to manifest. Mm. Write a parallel list of the desires behind each of those manifestations. What about what's behind them? Keep going until you've reached your deepest, truest desire. The one that's in your highest good that serves your soul the most for the longest. Focus on manifesting that. So that's just like that card is just like a big fat yes in being like you have the opportunity right now to again say no and know what you want and like sow the seeds of your exact desires like getting really clear on Mm -hmm. what you want and knowing that it's all within reach and this just card also just makes me think of be careful what you wish for because again (laughs) and again i've just showed up with like
0: it will happen yeah they also go hand in hand though Because Mm -hmm. in doing this, you're going to be saying no to things that aren't serving you, right? Because you're so focused on what you want and what's backing that up. What are your drives Mm -hmm. and what are you not wanting and what are you not needing and what are you able to shed? I feel like they go hand in hand. Yeah, in us like asking for our abundance and then receiving and being like,
1: wow! Yeah, like, oh shit, now I have to actually like deal with this. Yeah. And like pick and choose and and get choosy and say no to some things because you can't you can't have it all and the universe will give you more than you can handle so that you have the opportunity to learn mm-hmm. how to discern
0: yeah but then on the flip side too if you're never confident enough in your if you're not confident enough and like looking at yourself in the mirror with the abundance mindset then you don't I feel like you don't have the courage to ask because you don't believe that you're deserving of Mm. receiving. So it's kind of like finding that balance between like asking, 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 but then being like, whoa, okay. Like, what do I not need right now? Mm. But then also like never finding that strength to ask and be like, no, I'm, I deserve this. Like I want this. I want Mm. to take this on. It's like a nice balance. Yeah. That like confidence in yourself when the abundance does come to be able to navigate it because like Mm -hmm. this is what a part of you wanted Mm -hmm. like just gotta yeah figure it out
1: prosperous beginnings
0: beautiful also like this card just makes me think of the van
1: yeah (laughs) like
0: that is something that we were like so clear on like we want to do this and because we were so clear on us wanting to do this we like did the thing we bought her we parked her in the back and then that opportunity came up for you and because it like wasn't aligning you were like okay I have to say no to this because yeah this is what I want
1: yeah because part of that mentorship would have meant would have meant I was like devoted to working with somebody for the entire summer and that was just like no, I, I, I actually don't want that right now. I don't want to dive in in that way. I don't want to be like unavailable for my best friends and my like community this summer. Like that is not, it's not the vibe. Yeah, not our vibe. Yeah, we going to explore. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, Bloom Squad. So that's it for us for this month. Mm-hmm. Happy New Moon um then aries we love you xoxo blooming away day Day
1: by by day day. bye